the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's a real law. But he's saying now that you are in Christ, the law of the Spirit is more powerful than that. You are in a powerful hand. It can take control of whatever you do. You've just got to like let the presence of the Spirit of God pop out. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Here's my question. Are you living in the now or are you living in the past? You see, a lot of us are dragging the past into the now. And it's causing us to miss out on God's best for our life. And here's how it works. You look at your failures. You look at the way you've blown it. You look out at the things that didn't turn out the way God wanted them to turn out. Instead of leaving that at the cross, you're chained to shame. And you're living your life in a way that God doesn't see you. Chuck Swindoll, I love what he says about this. He says, nothing will drag you more quickly to a halt and pull you towards sin and shame. Maybe you need to be reminded of that old preacher cliche. The next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Remind him that he's defeated, that God's already given you victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you trust Christ for your salvation, you experience his justification. Remember, we've said that again and again. He makes it just as if you've never sinned. So when he looks at you, he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's why I said you are positionally righteous. You are saved. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old has passed away. All things have become new. In that entrance, in that moment, you're saved from the penalty of sin. Remember, you're justified. Now, our salvation is ongoing, right? So then we are saved from the power of sin. We're sanctified. One day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. We will be glorified but we're saved. What are you saved from at that justification? You're saved from condemnation. Now, there's one of the most famous verses in the Bible that speaks to this. Listen to it. John 3, 16. You know it? Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. Now notice the very next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why? Look at the next verse. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands, what does it say? Condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Understand this. You don't have to do anything to be condemned because we're all sinners, right? And one sin condemns us. But when you look to Christ, there's no more condemnation. We're the walking dead, but when we're in Christ, we become alive in him. So now speaks to that instantaneous nature of our salvation, but it also speaks to the eternal security of our salvation. We could, we could spend our entire time here, and probably we should come back and do that because a lot of you struggle with this issue of eternal security. In, in our faith tribe, we call that once saved, always saved. And we struggle because we think, how can that be? I mean, how can that guy on death row, how can he get the same thing I get? I really tried my best. Or we think, man, you don't know how I blew it. You don't know what I've done. There's no way I deserve God's grace. And yet the Bible teaches that's the way it works. Listen to what Jesus said in John 5 and verse 24. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, not will have, not could have, not should have, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has, there it is again, not will have, not could have, not should have, has crossed over from death to life. When you begin that relationship with Christ, your eternal salvation is secure right now. And because, because God knew we would struggle with this, he's given us this verse in the Bible, 1 John five thirteen, that says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So really take your Bible in your hand that you're holding. Take your Bible in your hand, hold it up. Now, this is a secret way I can see if you brought it or not, okay? <laughs> hold up that phone at least, pretend to. All right, he's saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to live in doubt. He doesn't want you to live in fear of your eternal security. He wants you to know that you can have that and you can have it now. Give him praise, church. He is good to us. The next word I want us to look at is the word know. It says, there is therefore now no. So here's a question for you. What does no mean? That's right. No means no. This is not a hard one. Literally, he's saying there is not one condemnation in you. If you are in Christ, there's not one condemnation in you. Now, that's important because earlier we've learned that all it takes is one sin for me to be separated from God. You understood that, right? All have sinned. And so the best of us and the worst of us, we're in the same boat. Let me see if I can illustrate that to you. Uh, suppose, Dr. Stock, I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to do something special for you. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook my famous five-egg omelet. And so I invite you over to my house, and I get all the ingredients there. I got the eggs. I got the, it's a loaded omelet. It's got ham and bacon. Thank you, Jesus. And lots of cheese. 
and uh, no onion, no, no onion, but all, all the good stuff. And so I start cracking the eggs and I cracked the first one and we're just talking, talking about all your cars and good things going on in your life. I cracked the second egg. We're still talking, cracked third egg, fourth egg. We're talking. I get to that fifth egg and I take it out of the carton and it looks kind of funny. I just kind of smile and wink at you and I crack that egg and whoo, when I crack it, it's rotten. It stinks. It smells bad. But what am I going to do? I promised Dr. Stock my five egg omelet. So I just take the egg and I, I put it right there in the bowl and I start mixing it in. Now, let me ask you, Dr. Stock, would you want to eat any of that omelet with that rotten egg? No, sir. All it takes is one rotten egg. All it takes is one sin. That's why it's such a big deal when God says, now there is therefore not one ounce of condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. You see why it's so encouraging? You see why it leads us to an abundant life and abiding peace? Before we move on, though, let me just talk about that word condemnation. Because you need to understand it for all that it is. It speaks of a legal judgment, the rightful punishment, specifically the punishment after the sentence. Now, don't raise your hand about this, but some of you got in trouble with the law and, and they've said, okay, this is your sentence. And maybe that's a fine that you have to pay, or maybe you've served some time in jail. Your sentence is the condemnation as a result of the crime that you've committed. And so if it were not for Jesus, our sentence would be what? It's death. That's what we've learned. But now they're saying, there's no punishment because you've got Jesus. Many of us live as if we're saved by grace, but we think we're sanctified by our works. We just do our best to, to be better. And then we think about our past and we, we've, we just blow it. And here's what I've seen all my life. Sometimes people end up just walking away because they say, I'll never live up. By the way, think about who's writing this. Who wrote these words in Romans? The Apostle Paul. We first meet him as Saul. He's a Jewish religious leader who spent his life going around persecuting and, listen, murdering followers of Jesus. And yet he meets Jesus on a road in Damascus. And it changes his life. And so an interesting thing happens. Some of the Christ followers came around him and they begin to take him to hang out with other Christ followers. And you know what those Christ followers said? No, don't you know that guy? Don't you know what he's done? Don't you know his past? And a guy named Barnabas stood up and spoke for him. You see, some of you have forgotten that the Bible's full of people who've had a past. They've experienced God's grace. You can go all the way back to Abraham, right? Abraham was messed up in some ways. When he couldn't have a, a child, his wife looked at her maid and said, why not have a baby with her? And he said, works for me. <laughs> Yet God used him. Moses, Moses killed a guy because he got angry. He needed to go to anger classes, and, and yet God used him. 
David, everybody who lives knows about David's sin. And yet I was reading in the Old Testament this week, after it described David's sin and compared him to his son Solomon, it said, hey, you're not seeking God and living for him like your father David did. Peter, the moment of truth, Peter couldn't even stand up to a little girl. He said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. So so don't think your past is such a big deal that that God can't handle it if you are in Christ. Now, this is interesting. One more character from Scripture. You remember Noah? We meet Noah because God is looking down on creation and he says, this place is a mess. It's no longer good. And so God is going to judge the world, but he he tells Noah to build this ark of safety. And it says, hey, get everybody, you can get your family to come onto the ark. They thought Noah was crazy, but he did. What happened after Noah got his family on the ark? No, no, no. Before the rain, what happened? God, this is crazy. Look back at this story if you don't know it. God closed the door. And then he did something interesting. After he closed the door, he sealed it. And in the Old Testament, he says he sealed it in our English with pitch, which is like tar or a sealant. And because Noah and his family were sealed inside the ark, they were in the ark. You following? They were safe. Now get this. That same word used in the Hebrew for pitch that God used to seal the door, when you translate that into Greek in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, it's the word that we translate in English, atonement. So here's what happens. All of us are in danger of judgment because of sin. That's just the, that's the law. That's the way it works. But God demonstrated his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that when we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, he pays for our sin. It becomes the atonement of God. We are at one with God. And when we are in Christ, do you hear that church? When we are in Christ, there is no condemnation in us. So here's the question. Are you in Christ? See, that's a big deal. Are you in Christ? Some of you are living like victims when you should be walking in victory. Some of you are walking in victory, yet positionally you're still defeated. You got to be in Christ. Just two points. The next one's going to go pretty quick. If you want abundant life and abiding peace, you must understand and accept what Jesus has done for you. And then secondly, if you want abundant life and abiding peace, you must determine to live a spirit-led life. Now, this is interesting because all around us, people that hang out in faith places, they talk about the spirit. And, and there's so much confusion. Some people talk about the spirit as if it's a force, like some mystical, like it's going to come through the smoke machines. Or, I just want the spirit or I feel goosebumps of the spirit. But the Spirit of God is not a force. The Spirit of God is a person. And in the book of Romans, we haven't heard much about the Holy Spirit of God. But now we're about to hear a whole lot. Because remember, Romans 8 is the 
counteracting medication to Romans 7. Romans 7, Paul talks a lot about I. If you look at the personal pronoun in Romans 7, you're going to find it about 20 times. I, 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 or me, 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 me. I mean, he's got an eye disease. And some of you have an eye disease. I mean, everything is about you. Remember, we learned that. I am the problem. Say this. Say, I am the problem. In Romans chapter 8, he doesn't talk about I and me. But we see the Holy Spirit of God mentioned about 20 times. And, and what he tells us is that we need to live our lives being led by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. What is he saying? He's saying that when you become a follower of Christ, a change of mind takes place. You need to understand that. That's what the word repentance means. In the Greek, it's metanoia. It literally means a change of mind that results in a directional change. So Paul is saying, you can't live with two minds. It's an either or scenario. You're either living with the mind of Christ or you're living with a mind that's being governed by the things of this world. You've got to understand that. Yesterday in prayer time here, Mr. Bill Buckley, we were talking about Psalm 91 and I'll dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. And he said, you know, I recognize that that's where I want to dwell. I don't want to dwell on my street. That's just a physical address. I'm going to be there temporarily. I want to dwell in the presence of God. Is that what you desire? To have the mind of God in your life? If you're saved, the spirit of God is indwelling you. And he doesn't leave. He's there to stay. I'll never leave you or never forsake you. But you still struggle with the flesh. You still struggle with the decisions we want to make. It's two laws that are at war in your life. If I were to take this phone and just drop it onto the stage, what would happen? It would fall to the floor. It's not a hard question, church. I don't know. I didn't go to seminary. No. What do we call that? The law of gravity, gravity right? So watch. Oh, I caught it. it. Scares me. I'm going to break the phone. Law of gravity. But watch this. Same hand, same stage. You believe the law of gravity? It's the same law of gravity. Same phone. Ooh. What's happening? A different law has more power. It's a higher power. The strength of my arm is preventing the law of gravity from ruling over this phone. Now, listen, that was good. Paul's saying there's two laws that are competing. 
There are two laws that are competing, competing, and one is this law of flesh, and it's out there. It's pulling you, saying, do this. It's going to make you feel good. Do that. It's going to feed your appetite for a season. Do that. You'll like it, and that's a real law, but he's saying now that you are in Christ, the law of the Spirit is more powerful than that. You are in a powerful hand. It can take control of whatever you do. You've just got to like let the presence of the Spirit of God pop out. Amen. How do you know whether or not you're living that way? Well, he says there are some characteristics of the mind that's governed by the flesh. The flesh is driven by selfish desire and self-glory and self-preservation and self-gratification and self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. But the flesh is never satisfied. If you find yourself in there, You're being guided by the flesh. And what happens when a Christ follower is guided by the flesh? What does the world call us? They call us hypocrites because they say, you're not being what you say you are. And that's because they don't understand this is a war. There's two competing laws. And though I know who I am and I know where I'm going, man, I still battle with the flesh. So what do I do? Anytime I feel that battle, I've got to lean in to the Spirit's presence in my life. Because the Spirit's in us, right? And wherever the Spirit is present, the fruit of the Spirit pop out. What are the fruit of the Spirit? This is how we should look. Look at Galatians 5. Fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we want, guys. We want to live our life governed by the Spirit of God, to have a spiritual mindset, a a Spirit-led life. That's what God wants for you. And when we don't do that, we make a mess of everything around us. In fact, verse 8 kind of tells us how bad a deal it is. It says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Man, I want to please God. I want to stand in the gap. I want to live a life worthy of the calling. I want to represent Jesus right where I am in my little corner of the world. How do I do that? How do I please God? Glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How do I please God? It's faith. And it gets hard again, doesn't it? Because faith means I have to trust not just do. Faith means I have to depend on someone else, not myself. But with faith, I please God. Oh, church, and I want you to be encouraged today, and you should be if you're a follower of Christ. If you are in Christ, there's no condemnation in you. Lean into him. But if you're in Christ, you should be looking like him. And so if you've got any of these areas where the flesh is just taken over, maybe as a result of our time together, part of what you need to do is just say, oh God,
I recommit today to living a spirit-led life. And you know what that is doing? Once again, that's leaning in to him. There's a gentleman by the name of Anthony Showwater who lived in Alabama and he ran a singing school there. And he got home from work one day and he noticed there were two letters from two of his former students. And so he opened them and he began to read. And ironically, he noticed that both of these letters were his students telling them that their wives had died. And he loved these folks. And so he, he was mourning and grieving with them and for them. So he re- sat down to write them a letter. But as he sat down to write the letter, a, a verse kept going through his mind. And it was Deuteronomy chapter 2. Here's what it says. The Lord your God is your eternal refuge. And underneath you are his everlasting arms. And so he sat down and he wrote a poem. And that poem became a song. And it's a song some of us grew up singing. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Safe and secure from all alarm. I'm leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.